Welcome to the discussion, Mitigating Mainframe Cybersecurity Blind Spots Through Modernization, sponsored by MicroFocus Government Solutions. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are Kevin Hansen, the Chief Technology Officer for MicroFocus Government Solutions, Jason Martin, the Vice Director of the Development and Business Center at the Defense Information Systems Agency, Jason Gray, the Chief Information Officer at the Department of Education, Ryan Cody, the Chief Information Officer at the Department of Transportation, and Steve Stewart, the Chief Technology Officer for Stadia. Gentlemen, welcome to the discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get started, let me set some context for our conversation. Twice now, the Government Accountability Office has reviewed agency systems and found, well, they're old. Well, maybe old isn't the best description. Maybe it's better to say ancient. Well, maybe it's better to say just decades since they were been installed. Auditors say it's not the age of the systems that's the biggest concern, as many have been upgraded with new hardware or expanded with more modern software. GAO says these older systems, they are no longer supported by vendors creating critical cybersecurity vulnerabilities and problems. In fact, GAO states in its report, legacy systems may operate with known security vulnerabilities that are either technically difficult or prohibitively, prohibitively expensive to address. In some cases, vendors no longer provide support for hardware or software creating security vulnerabilities and additional costs. GAO found six out of 10 legacy systems uh, in the report identified as critical, also have identified as having moderately high to high security risks associated with them. Now remember, the GAO report is just a snapshot in, uh, of, the, of that challenge. OMB estimates agencies face more than $7 billion in technical debt, and that includes both hardware and software. Of course, it's not all bad news. Both the Trump and Obama administrations, as well as Congress, have recognized the challenges of getting off legacy systems. Laws like Modernizing Government Technology Act, strategies like the IT modernization, and contracts like the Enterprise Infrastructure Solutions, or EIS, give agencies plenty of tools. So how can agencies take a pragmatic approach to modernizing these legacy systems, close these security gaps, and dramatically reduce risk while improving services to citizens? Well, that's where panelists come in. Once again, my guests are Kevin Hansen, the Chief Technology Officer from MicroFocus Government Solutions, Jason Martin, the Vice Director of the Development and Business Center at the Defense Information Systems Agency, Jason Gray, the CIO at the Education Department, Ryan Cody, the CIO at the Department of Transportation, and Steve Stewart, the Chief Technology Officer for Stadia. Let me turn to uh, Jason Martin first from DISA. Jason, uh, DISA is all about IT modernization. You guys, I, I would give you the full credit to say you probably were out in front of many agencies and many of the organizations across DOD. Talk about how you guys view that, that challenge. Well, we view the challenge as exciting times. Every meeting I walk into, we talk about what's the next best thing? What's the next strategy we need to truly secure the networks, to secure the applications? And looking at it from the two dynamics that we have in the agency, which is as a service provider for the department, but then also how do we do it for ourselves? So we take a two-prong approach to that, which is really looking at prioritizing our work across the board for the department from the um, uh, Two-prong approach when you talk about, the, the, when you're viewing it, it's, it's the department and then obviously it's DIS itself. So start maybe with DISO. Okay, so with DISO what we do is look at internally what we have, what we've prioritized to work next, and certainly we look at critical infrastructure as the, as the first component of that. So as the transport provider for the department, for the global networks, what we really look at is, is where we are in terms of security, technology, refresh priorities, security priorities, and how we prioritize all that work at large. And I work with Roger Greenwell, authorizing official, to do that prioritization work, and I work with operations to implement the new capabilities um, across the board. From a department perspective, what we do is engage our mission partners often and early. So sharing information, sharing intelligence um, in, in terms of what we've done, what's worked, what hasn't worked, what we're learning from other partners in the department, how we can apply the same principles to them, to ourselves, across the board is, is simply an information sharing session to then build strategies to make us more secure. Unlike a lot of agencies, has DISA kept up with that modernization? Do you, do you have those COBOL systems? Do you have those mainframes that are you know, 30, 40, 50 years old? We don't have mainframes that are that old. We do have applications that are that old, and that, and that supports our mission partners, which are critical for war fighting. Right. Um, what we've done is, again, work with our um, mission partners who do have those applications to provide the latest technology. Our mainframe partners, along with all our service providers, have been fantastic at providing the latest encryption, latest continuous monitoring, the latest um, monitoring capabilities to ensure that we are on top of those things. We do try to go be proactive when it comes to operating system upgrades, technology upgrades, and the vendor community has been critical to our successes in those areas. 
Uh, Kevin, microfocused government solutions, uh, you guys, part of your job obviously is to help agencies kind of move off those mainframes, but also kind of look at modernization. What are some of the trends you've seen from your government customers? Yeah, I think, uh, I think we're seeing uh, an acceleration kind of looking at legacy systems and trying to transform them into um, uh, new capabilities. Uh, you know, the new technology that's available provides some new options out there um, that's really transformative uh, as far as uh, supporting uh, the warfighter or supporting citizen applications. So, um, when you talk about the acceleration, walk me through what that means. Meaning, like, are you seeing it where it used to take an agency to make a decision? With all due respect to our agency friends here, you know, two, three, four years, now it's six months? I think partly it might be a focus around savings. Um, you know, with uh, MGT Act uh, and, and even uh, FITARA, there's some, uh, you know, focus around the savings. So as savings is identified and achieved, you know, it allows them to reinvest in some of these other modernization efforts. Jason, you guys are unfortunately, or fortunately, one of those people mentioned, education's mentioned in that GA report is having some of these older systems, specifically the financial, the federal student aid side of it. What is your approach to getting kind of moving beyond those, the challenge of legacy systems? So we, uh, much like was mentioned earlier, we started with a, what, what do we have? You know, we did a comprehensive system assessment across the entire organization, including FSA, uh, to really focus on kind of our as-is environment. And then from that, we use that information to understand kind of the direction. So it was more of a data-driven decision where we were looking at, you know, how many applications do we have? How many systems do we have? How old are they? Security was baked into the process so that, you know, we started with just basically a very thorough assessment. And then we went to, and I know I've spoken about this before, our visualization and then um, as a result of the assessment, we focused on three real key areas. Uh, one of the areas was cloud consolidation because we had an awful lot of cloud. Uh, I mean, we're 100% cloud, but we just had a lot of cloud. Uh, and the thought was reducing the cost of cloud. Uh, so to your point about uh, cost, that was definitely a factor. We also recognize that reducing the footprint uh, of the number of systems that we have from a security standpoint, it will reduce the the, the surface area, if you will, that's uh, susceptible to attack. Uh, and then the third real area that really focused on was about um, automation. A part of the assessment was looking at, you know, how old were these systems, how many systems had manual processes, and we focused on identifying the 40-some the manual processes associated with these systems and looked at those as targets of opportunity. Uh, the second area I really didn't go into a lot, but it was really about consolidation, uh, modernization, or elimination. So it was really about systems rationalization. It's funny you talk about the cloud consolidation. I was on a panel just recently, and someone brought up random acts of cloud. We want to avoid the random acts of cloud. I thought that was a great line. And, and, the, and that's what I think a lot of agencies faced as they kind of moved in that direction over the last 10 years. You're going from random to to more specific acts of cloud. I, I would completely <laughs> agree. I think, I think uh, and again, I, I look back, I've been at the department three and a half years. Before I arrived there, Fatara wasn't, you know, I mean, Fatara was there, but it wasn't really implemented uh, at, I mean, it was in the process of implementation. And now that Fatara is there, we don't have as much cloud sprawl uh, that we're currently dealing with now. It's, it's there, uh, we're addressing it and have a plan to, uh, reduce the uh, amount of cloud we have. Unbelievably, this December will be five years since Vitar was passed. Amazing. Steve, uh, talk about Estadia and kind of what you see when you work with government clients. Yeah, we're a key partner of Microfocus and we leverage our tools to modernize. And, and what we're seeing right now is that, you know, the cloud is the, an alternative compute to the mainframe. So if you look at, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, if you wanted to process a lot of data and have a lot of processing capacity and I.O., you went to the mainframe. Well, that exists today. You know, we use the example of, a, you know, we buy stuff online, right? They're, they're not running on a mainframe. They handle logistics and all, uh, you know, credit card and PCI and all those things. And so it is a new compute. So we leverage the tools to actually move from the mainframe into the cloud, which then opens up to, you were just talking about automating some manual process, RPAs, you know, robotic process automation, business process automation. These are tools that are readily available in, into the cloud that you're able to deploy, rejuvenate your applications. 
I know a lot of agencies have been trying to, have been really focused on getting off mainframes, but do you still find as you go and talk to them, there's still a lot of mainframes out there? Well, the only thing that's worked, you know, I personally thought this was going to happen 10 years ago. Okay. I was the old guy at the end of the corner going, the end is near, and nobody <laughs> believed me. And, uh, and so what we're seeing is uh, it, it's time, right? You have a block of you know, workers, both in commercial and government, that are ready to retire. They've been maintaining these applications. So we have, uh, what we're facing is a passing the baton moment. What are you going to do? These applications have been doing well for the agencies for the last 20, 30 years. Move it, rejuvenate it, move it into the cloud. That's, that's what we're seeing. So it's, uh, as time keeps going on, more and more folks retire, it's creating a challenge. And so, you know, there are COBOL developers out there. The COBOL, future COBOL developers are going to be the Java C-sharp developers using the new common IDEs. And that's what we're seeing in the business. It's interesting that you, you, you said 10 years ago, you were the one that was holding the sign up. The client server, the, the whole thing about client server is dead. Now it feels like we're going back to, the, there's a little bit of client server coming back in, in many ways because of, of some of the, the cloud tech, right. just a different view of it. Right. Ryan from transportation, uh, you get the joy of walking into transportation about nine months ago, pushing maybe pushing a year, and uh, get, you have the whole, the whole world in front of you for IT modernization. So talk about what you've been doing to kind of help push transportation forward. That's right. Thank you, Jason. Well, again, I think I've walked into a great situation with um, fantastic executive sponsorship at the highest level. The secretary is very supportive of the IT modernization efforts. And we're on sort of a dual path journey now with a move to centralize IT, whereas for decades it had been very siloed at all the modes in transportation. So moving to a centralized model really helps us with our modernization efforts. Um, Specifically as it relates to applications, you know, our first steps and first goal were to go out and kind of build defenses around everything we had, right? You can't identify thousands of applications and begin to fix them one or two or five at a time. So we moved as much as we could to the cloud, lifted and shifted everything that was old um, and susceptible, high risk. At least we can move it into a cloud provider's environment and, and again, build some defenses around it and now begin to assess and, and prioritize modernization efforts either to you know, completely deprecate applications and replace them or bring them up to speed as it relates to security. So yeah, it's, it's really a, a two-fold effort for us to centralize and to modernize, and uh, it's exciting times. It's interesting that you talk about the lift and shift. We, we have that conversation many times uh, over the last decade of do it or don't do it. Why is it, why is it not such a, necessarily a bad thing or why it can be a good thing? Are, are you finding that that is just the, the jump start? Like, hey, how do we get us going? Well, if this, if this is cloud enabled, if this is cloud ready, move it, don't even ask questions. Like, walk me through some of that thought process. Yes, I think that's exactly right. You first, have to have a rationalization strategy for, for what you move where, but you have to begin somewhere, essentially. And so you, you get everything you can out of an unsafe environment into at least a relatively safer environment in the cloud, and then you begin to just get out of the data center business, right? I mean, we've heard that from GAO and OMB and others directing federal CIOs, get out of the data center business. So um, we're, we're doing everything we can to close data centers, consolidate into as few as possible, and let the cloud providers be our everything as a service. It just makes sense, so. The data center discussion is interesting because that, that's also the other kind of jumping off point. Reduce the number. Jason, I know from your perspective at education, you guys don't have any data centers or maybe one because uh, you moved so many, you moved, to the, you moved to the cloud before we called it cloud. Is that, has that helped you kind of make some of those decisions about kind of how to modernize and what to modernize? Uh, absolutely. As I was talking about the data center consolidation effort that we have uh, currently underway, uh, we look at a whole variety. You know, is it FedRAMP? Um, do we have, you know, we look at the security posture. We also take into consideration high value assets and where they're at. So that absolutely has been a part of one of the elements for our modernization efforts. And, and then let me also move Jason Martin over to so you guys. In many ways, we're all about data centers. Right. And what you're finding as well is that uh, DOD, more broadly, and DISA more specifically, maybe also wants to get out of the data centers, the, the so-called DISA decks. I don't think they're called that anymore, right? Right. right. But, but that is also another part of that modernization effort is, okay, what, what do we absolutely need to keep in-house, but what, what everything else can we just push it out off, off onto a commercial or a private government-only cloud? Well, you're absolutely right. We, we've done both things, right? So we've looked at what we believe needs to stay in data centers based on um, 
high, you know, critical assets um, and uh, what we can really do business uh, in, internally, vice externally. And we've set the strategy both internally and externally, again, in conjunction with DOD CIO, the department, and then certainly in line with the digital modernization strategy, which is our guiding principle for, for how we're going to operate in the future. But absolutely, that all drives us to really a more efficient operation than what we have today. What's the most cost-effective and efficient way to do business? Kevin, when you talk to your government clients and, and, and is, is do you ask, where do you tell them kind of to start as, as they're going down that modernization journey? No one's at zero, we know right, that. Right. No one's at 100. Sure. Well, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, want to tell them what to do, but <laughs> certainly what we're hearing and what we're seeing is, uh, you know, you hear some uh, focus around costs and cost efficiency. That's certainly part of the, the challenge. I think uh, Ryan mentioned risk as far as uh, some of the strategy for moving applications to the cloud. So um, we're seeing a need to, you know, not only reduce costs, but certainly reduce risks that are associated with, you know, these legacy systems, whether it be a network or, or a file system or, you know, or the old mainframe that you mentioned. Ryan, I want to bring you back into the conversation just briefly. Risk is a big issue. We, we hear a lot about it. Did that play into, how much did that play into the decision making you had about the lift and shift move as you were, as you're modernizing your IT? It's, it's, I think the number one driver. It, it has to be today in, in the you know, cyber world we live in and, and the dangers we face. Um, you know, we look to the government agencies to give us guidance, the, the NIST guidance released last year and the OMB guidance on HVAs, and, and we look at that and we say, um, for, for mission support as well with the modes, what are the most important HVAs we have for mission? And then uh, give them a risk score and, and move according to, to those risk scores and, and the value of that system to the mission. All right, I want to continue the conversation around risk, but first let's take a quick break and then we can uh, come back around and, and talk more. You're listening to the panel discussion, Mitigating Mainframe Cybersecurity Blind Spots Through Modernization, sponsored by Microfocus Government Solutions on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Microfocus Government Solutions and its master supplier, MFGS Inc., help agencies navigate the digital transformation journey with solutions in enterprise DevOps, hybrid IT, security risk governance, and predictive analytics. With a portfolio of longstanding products including ArcSight, Fortify, Vertica, Cobol, ALM, and PPM, Microfocus Government Solutions and MFGS Inc. helps you bridge the gap between legacy systems and modern innovation to solve mission-critical IT challenges. Visit microfocusgov.com. That's microfocusgov.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion. Mitigating mainframe cybersecurity blind spots through modernization, sponsored by Microfocus Government Solutions on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today, Kevin Hansen, the Chief Technology Officer for Microfocus Government Solutions, Jason Martin, the Vice Director for the Development and Business Center at the Defense Information Systems Agency, Jason Gray, the Chief Information Officer at the Education Department, Ryan Cody, the Chief Information Officer at the Transportation Department, and Steve Stewart, the Chief Technology Officer at Estadia. Before break, uh, Ryan brought up this idea of risk, and I think managing risk is probably the biggest issue challenge, biggest area that agencies have to focus on. So let me turn to Jason Gray from Education. When you guys start looking at risks and, and kind of balancing the risks, how do you find that right balance between risk, security, convenience? Because your mission folks say, give it to me now, I want the, the, the capabilities, while your security folks may say, slow down, we have to make sure we get this right. How do you find that balance? So, obviously it's making sure you understand what is your, your risk um, profile for all of your systems and, and the, the business risk as well, so it's not just about a system risk. Um, we have, and I know I've talked about this before, established a, a cybersecurity risk scorecard that goes through each of our systems and you know, from a, either a plan of action and milestones and where they at associated with the risk. Uh, we also, which again is aligned directly with the NIST cybersecurity framework. So in a moment's notice, I can um, see what is the um, cybersecurity posture of that system. That has turned into a, a beautiful scorecard that um, I would say about almost two years ago, I briefed the secretary on, and uh, her comment was, uh, I see a, a lot, I, I would like to see a lot more uh, green and blue versus red and yellow. Um, and I'm happy to say that literally in the last few months, we've actually had all blue and green, uh, but that gives, um, so that's, that's one aspect of it. There's also, um, you know, the, the business risk. There are certainly certain systems from a high value asset standpoint, which influences 
where do we dedicate and focus our attention and our resources because resources are limited. Uh, we also make sure that it's aligned with our modernization plan so that sometimes a decision that, you know, it, it, maybe a, it looks like a less important decision right now, but later on it'll be a much, uh, have, or pay a much larger dividend. So we're kind of looking across the board. Um, the other thing, just to add, is the, the support um, to overcome the risks and communicating to senior leadership. I know Ryan had talked about uh, the Secretary of Transportation, the Secretary of Education, uh, Secretary DeVos has been absolutely supportive of everything uh, from a modernization and a risk management and cybersecurity. So when I brief those issues, it's uh, from a modernization standpoint, it's like, yeah, that's great. You wanna get down to 100 less systems. Can we go to even less systems? Can we make them more secure? Uh, and that has been instrumental to our ability to literally transform the department in the last seven months. Well, first of all, congratulations on getting into blue and green across your scoreboard. I'm not sure what blue means. We know it, we're used to the stoplight system. Hopefully blue is still, is that closer to green? So, <laughs> one is low risk and the other is that you've met all the objectives. It, it's never going to be perfect, but it's uh, green is where you want to get, meaning that all of your objectives have been met uh, as it relates to securing the system. All right, you threw me off a little blue there. <laughs> Never know the means. Right, well, thanks for that. Um, let me turn to Jason Martin as well from DISA. Uh, you guys have a, maybe have a tougher job to balance that security and convenience challenge because, again, you, you have to support warfighters to the tactical edge where everything is about convenience. Security is very, very important, but like I need this now, not when the CISO says, okay, all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted. Right. It's a great question. It's exactly what we're doing now is as a service provider, we have a, another a significant challenge in that we do need to think about the enterprise and then how it um, impacts the downstream uh, warfighter on the ground in theater, whatever the case may be. So what we do um, from a, how we handle the challenge problem is, again, what are the priorities, but also as a provider, how do we get that enterprise capability out quicker? So how do we then internally look at the solution itself that's coming, how do we manage the critical uh, risk, the critical um, threats, how do we bake that in from the beginning to then provide that at a higher level, which will then filter down to the warfighter and the tactical units. That, that speed is so so important, not just for DOD, but I think for any agency, uh, whether you're civilian or DOD. Uh, Kevin, jump in a little bit and talk about that speed. Is, is that a driving factor of, of getting a, a, the best argument to get people off mainframes? Um, well, not necessarily. I not mean, necessarily. <laughs> That's okay, too, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of other drivers. So specific to mainframes, you know, you, you can't just think of it as an application or a system. There's, there's infrastructure. Uh, there's identity management. There's uh, connectivity. There's, uh, you know, the network that supports that. And then you have processes like DevOps, uh, you know, se securing that, the processes that are around the application. Um, and then you have the actual application itself. So, um, you know, there's a pragmatic approach, uh, you know, usually tied to risks and costs that prioritize that shift. Um, and I think, you know, as, as we've talked about, you take an assessment of your environment, um, you kind of have a profile of where the risk is in, in, in your high value assets, and then, you know, you can start accelerating, you know, the reduction of risk. Some of that's going to involve uh, moving, you know, older applications off the mainframe, or maybe some older DevOps processes, or some infrastructure, you know, some identity management and some identity governance, um, you know, more in line with what the enterprise is doing. Steve? Yeah, kind of like following on that like, theme is listen to everybody here. They're actually doing portfolio rationalization. What do I need to do and tackle that? And the last great application portfolio rationalization was Y2K. That's 20 years ago, right? Because we were forced to identify where the date fields are going to be impacted. We have another similar Y2K right now, and that large groups of laborers going to be retiring that are maintaining these older applications. So you need, again, rationalize which ones make sense, which ones are higher risk, and doing that, uh, kind of put them in order as to what, what to tackle first. Under the Obama administration, the Office of Management and Budget pushed a portfolio stat approach. And I think that had uh, some success, probably not as much as, as the Y2K one, because that was a more hard deadline. Hard deadline. Versus, hey, guys, this is just a good idea. But, but part of that rationalization is this, uh, un, that inventory of understanding what you have. And I guess just to play off of what Jason Martin said around what kind of DIS is viewing is, is the speed piece. If you can get applications and systems to the cloud, use the DevOps as, as Kevin men mentioned, then 
you can kind of add that speed to that delivery of services. I guess that's where I was going yeah, as a driver. Yeah, I mean, cost and security and all those things are important, but, right. but but now with all this, like, hey, what about Netflix? We have to be more like Netflix, right? Which, right. I don't know, I personally hate that, but I'll just repeat it a lot. <laughs> Steve? No, yeah, what I would say is, that, you know, the velocity, yeah, because if you're able to rapidly exit off the mainframe to an existing framework, the cloud, cloud is the kind of like a new mainframe. So it's got a lot of mainframe components. We're talking about client server early on. We've done full circle. Right. right. We started with the original cloud, which is the mainframe on a client <laughs> server, and now we're back to, you know, the same centralized thing. So we've done full circle, and there's a lot of mainframe qualities within the cloud because they need to have high availability. But there is, when you migrate these applications, you're going to be testing, validating, using DevOps. You know, you could do some of these new testing tools that do AI with testing, model-based testing, uh, things like that, and that'll give you the agility and then leverage into containers and Kubernetes and all the tools that exist within the cloud. All right, if we're playing buzzwood bingo, I think you'd, gotta, you'd get them all. Uh, Ryan, jump in because the other part of this discussion of, of when we talk risks and we talk about challenges is making sure that that you're changing the culture within your agency, you're dealing with workforce issues, that's the, probably your biggest challenge because you're centralizing all your IT from a, an organization that hasn't been centralized before. Right. Yeah, it's, it's perhaps the biggest challenge we face is uh, you know, sort of redefining the culture and, and getting buy-in. Um, and, and we have a lot of competing priorities, right? We, we have our mission status quo today where we try to keep American people safe on the roads and in the air and on the water. And, and those are all super important. And then we have all the new emerging technologies in transportation. We have drones and UASs and we have Hyperloop, you know, and we have connected vehicles and autonomous vehicles. And, and the, just the transportation sector is moving at the speed of light. And all of these things are pulling at us to sort of give them direction and guidance and regulation and safety. So we have a lot of competing priorities and, and yeah, it all comes back to culture and, and the risk there. We, we have a workforce, like you mentioned, that's aging. And it's the same in the federal workspace. We have many people that are, that are ready to retire. Uh, we compete with the private sector in an unfair footing many times in terms of salary and, and things. We, we compete for the same jobs. And uh, so there's a lot of risks with, with trying to get there. And um, what, what we're trying to focus on really is to create a coalition of the willing, if you will, or an army of the willing, right? Focus on those who, who are ready to do this, who, who have buy-in, who are excited about the future. Of, of a centralized model and, and bring the supporters on board and energize them and get them moving and sort of sideline the naysayers and say, hey, we're off and running. You can join the team or you can sit on the sidelines, but we're doing this. That's been our approach. Jason? Well, I'm excited about what Brian said. I think the last time we spoke, Jason, I, I talked about the same thing. I'm really proud of Disson, what they've done from a recruiting perspective. We are really out there on the road um, working with schools learning from the intelligence community, learning from other parts of the department on how best to recruit and retain personnel. Um, it's exciting to hear the federal government is at large. Uh, I do believe we have some of the best and brightest in the country you know, to, to solve our nation's problems. And I'm really energized by what we are trying to do as an agency and how I think that'll permeate across the department. Kevin, as, as you guys talk with your covering clients and, and, and the, the challenge of culture change, if someone's been working on a mainframe for years, hey, but this is my mainframe, I can see the blinking lights, right, it's the old, it, it, how big of a challenge is that to get people to kind of give up control, if you will? Yeah, it could certainly be a challenge. Um, you know, I think Steve alluded to it earlier, there's a, there's a pass the baton moment that's happening. And I think there, it's a matter of uh, energizing the folks that are responsible for those systems around the, you know, the new capabilities that they could uh, you know, integrate uh, and take advantage of. Uh, you know, from a cyber standpoint, you know, I think the introduction of AI and automation is a real game changer. Um, you know, I think it's going to allow us to be much more proactive than reactive. And, um, you know, those are things that these, all these individuals with these very specialized skills can help enable for the agency. So, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity, really. And I think you make a great point because the administration has talked a lot about the need to kind of upskill, reskill the workforce and to get outside of, hey, you don't need to watch those blinking lights. Let, let MicroFocus, the government solutions do it or somebody else do it. You can really kind of move into that data world. Jason, I know you've spent a lot of time with the CIO Council, so maybe we could put on your other hat there for a second. We'd love to. So I have two comments. Um, one, from a cultural standpoint, that is certainly uh, a challenge that all agencies face. 
the key there, of course, is leadership support, but also building a really strong team. I know I'm extremely proud of the team I have at education because that is enabling our, me to help as an organization change the culture so that we can modernize and move the agency forward. So uh, we have that piece, and again, it's a lot about communication of what we're doing, why we're trying to do it, what's in it for the individual that we're talking to. So there's that piece from a cultural standpoint. The other piece that's been talked about quite a bit is about the aging workforce. One of the things as a co-chair on the CIO Council Workforce Committee that we have done, and we actually just had our second cohort graduation from a cyber reskilling academy, is we, the first cohort was focused on bringing in individuals who had the aptitude or the propensity to be successful from a technical standpoint, but were non-IT professionals and training them through a several month program to do cybersecurity skills uh, or activities. And that w was, was really, really good. A lot, we weren't really sure what we were gonna get, but we had over 1,500 people apply, so we know the need was there. And it was really about reskilling the existing workforce, not finding ways to, um, to get rid of people, it was finding ways to repurpose and reskill them so that we could, because to Jason's point, there's a lot of really, really talented people there. And if you have someone who's been doing, I don't know, acquisitions or budgeting, and then you weave them into um, cybersecurity or any other field, it, they just bring all that wealth of knowledge with them. I had a great conversation with another CIO just in the last couple of weeks, and they talked about, a, they had a one day where they did a cloud stand down day where they stopped what everyone was doing for just for that day and, and did training and, and not just the, in the CIO's office, but acquisition and, and uh, HR, because everyone kind of has to know around that, that what, where that is happening, where is it going? And of course at different levels. Ryan, is there anything that you guys at Transportation are doing around that workforce training, around that piece to get people ready for this, if you will, reskill, upskill change and how you kind of, how your, how your uh, processes, how's your technology working? Yes. Um, we have a number of initiatives we have launched or are about to launch uh, about retraining, reskilling our workforce. Um, we're offering opportunities like, like Jason Education for a change of career path. If you want to move into cyber in particular, that's a big one. Um, we, we are hoping to launch very soon here a, a IT-focused talent acquisition program where we partner with local high schools even and colleges to get down to the to the levels where we need to begin to develop workforce as they bring them into transportation, um, and we're offering any number of programs we can uh, available, you know, through the government um, to encourage the people there to to find what they love to do and write and become passionate about it and then execute. As as part of again the move to shared services, um, inevitably people's jobs will change, and and as we modernize applications too and get away from the older systems people's jobs will have to change. And we've said to everyone all along, no one's losing their job, everyone's keeping their job, but you have to find where you fit and, and find what you love to do, whatever you're passionate about, and we will help you in every way to get skilled or trained and become the very best you can be in that role. Kevin or Steve, jump in here on this on the, on a little bit on this because you guys also have to find people that you have to hire. <laughs> I mean, this is a government problem, but you, you know, it's not like there's a not like everyone needs a lawyer, right? right. Well, I guess maybe we all do. So I understand. <laughs> there's so but, many lawyers. There's a lot of lawyers. <laughs> but how are you guys dealing with the same workforce challenges? Maybe well, Steve? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's a psychology to this, right? Because if, you know, we, we advocate over communication, let everybody, and this is where we're going to go. This is the objective. Team composition is definitely key. For every, all my battle scars have been bad team compositions, right? So if everybody knows what the mission is, and this is where we're going to go, it's going to be work on pretty well. We, we attack it as a, as a blended approach. There's a core group of folks that are willing to learn and willing to do things. There's also legacy building. I wrote this application for 30 years. I'm gonna pass this on to continue on. If you explain it to them, you have a great application, it's been working really well. You know, and you're not gonna be here for the next 30 years. <laughs> you want this thing, how are you gonna transition that over? So work towards that. But we're also seeing bringing in other workforce, Java and C-sharp developers that understand the new world and then teach them the COBOL within with the new tools that MicroFocus has. And that, that's the blend that we've been using to tackle this. All right, well, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the panel discussion, Mitigating Mainframe Cybersecurity Blind Slots Through Modernization, sponsored by MicroFocus Government Solutions on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.
Microfocus Government Solutions and its master supplier, MFGS Inc., help agencies navigate the digital transformation journey with solutions in enterprise DevOps, hybrid IT, security risk governance, and predictive analytics. With a portfolio of long-standing products including ArcSight, Fortify, Vertica, Cobol, ALM, and PPM, Microfocus Government Solutions and MFGS Inc. helps you bridge the gap between legacy systems and modern innovation to solve mission-critical IT challenges. Visit microfocusgov.com. That's microfocusgov.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Mitigating Mainframe Cybersecurity Blind Spots Through Modernization, sponsored by Microfocus Government Solutions on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. <clears throat> My guests today are Kevin Hansen, the Chief Technology Officer for Microfocus Government Solutions, Jason Martin, the Vice Director of the Development and Business Center at the Defense Information Systems Agency, Jason Gray, the CIO at the Department of Education, Brian Cody, the CIO at the Department of Transportation, and Steve Stewart, the Chief Technology Officer for Stadia. Before break, we started talking a lot about workforce and we were talking about a lot about the challenges and risks. The other piece to this discussion about IT modernization is application rationalization. And we saw that the CIO Council and OMB put out an application rationalization playbook, one of many playbooks that are out there. Uh, we may need a playbook for the playbooks eventually. But uh, let me start with application rationalization. And Ryan, you guys have been on a path for, for a little while of trying to really figure out what your inventory looks like. What came from that discovery? Well, the most obvious thing we found was a lot of duplication, right? We have many modes in the department using the same providers, same, same tools, and so our initial pass at it focuses on reduction of the duplication. Um, our first real pilot project we're now actively engaged in is around grants management, grants um, issuing and, and tracking. So we hope at the end of the day, a, a portfolio today that's 3,500 plus applications across the department is, is down significantly, if, if not uh, you know 50%, maybe 60% or higher. Um, and obviously there's a lot of gains to be made there financially in terms of eliminating some of the contract support and again, duplication of licensing, things like that. And then leveraging the economies of scale that comes with keeping some of those software applications but growing them uh, at scale. So, is there, is there twofold benefits to the application rationalization from your perspective? Is it cost, meaning you're not paying for the same thing over and over, but it's also if, if the, the cost differential where, hey, for one reason we're paying for application X a dollar a seat and for in the same application over here we're paying $5 a seat. If we could bring all that down to $2 a seat, wow, we, we, we're, that's really a lot of money savings that's as well. That's exactly right. Yeah, we found a lot of these different contracts, people were paying uh, different prices, different price points, because they'd been negotiated separately in every mode throughout the years. And so um, it's really just bringing clarity to the entire situation, finding out uh, the visibility on it and who's paying what, and, uh, and then holding the, the vendors accountable and getting the best possible price for the government that we can get. At the same time, are you also then looking at the cybersecurity and Okay, what, what is ready, cloud ready or cloud enabled? Is that, is that the other piece of this challenge or this, this opportunity? Yes, yes, so as we look at the entire portfolio of applications, again, we, we look at them from a risk perspective, from a cost perspective. Um, what can we eliminate? What can we patch to get up to a level of acceptance of risk? And uh, it, it's three or four really important criteria we apply to the whole stack. And, and also with an eye towards new, right? We, we're constantly building net new applications as we have new requirements that come our way for public safety. And we just have to get much more efficient at uh, either building the new applications or repurposing old code to, to uh, serve a new purpose. I want to go down that path of, the, of, of, of use, reusing old code, old code, mm -hmm. if you will. But let me ask Jason Gray from education as well. You guys also have, are going through, have been through a app rationalization effort. Talk a little bit about what you found. Uh, so as Ryan had mentioned, we, uh, it was about discovering what we had, how many, what we had. And the first phase was really identifying where do we have duplicative software that is literally providing the same exact service to numerous customers within the department and uh, working with the vendors to reduce that. Uh, and in some cases, we may end up standing because maybe they were stood up in a way that was specifically uh, for the unique needs of that service. Uh, so it may end up standing up a new one that will then consolidate and reduce or eliminate the others. Uh, the other piece that we're looking at is um, where are the similar applications? Uh, so looking at low code or no code uh, types of capabilities out there, 
we have several, and then the question I have is, do do we need several, or could we let fit on one or two versus many? So it's first identifying what is clearly this is duplicative. It's a very easy uh, transition. Our IT service management um, solution that we're using right now is a really good example. We have several instances of it. We're in the process of consolidating down, uh, but also looking across uh, the area. It was very, uh, I was impressed with your approach for grants because that's a, a massive amount. So um, that, that is going to be, but again, the return on investment is going to be amazing. Because uh, we have the same challenge. Maybe you'll steal it from them too. I, I absolutely will. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jason, DISA is, is maybe not necessarily looking at abstractionalization, but actually helping others. That's a key piece too. Uh, it, and I talked to uh, Army CIO uh, General Crawford right. about a year ago, and he said about 8,000 apps. They want to get mm -hmm. down to 5,000, which is an incredible <laughs> amount. But, but walk me through the, the process that you're seeing that maybe you're understanding from the, the more broad the DOD about abstractionalization apps rationalization. Okay, as we work through uh, our mission partner base, what we do is again share experiences, share what we're seeing from a technology perspective, what's worked, what hasn't, what automation tools we're leveraging, and how we're incorporating those into the environment to help everyone. Um, also, on the back end, or shared services things, what we're able to do is further bid out the capabilities that we've been working with um, DMDC and DOD CIO on for years, for example, identity. Identity is a key component to not only accessing the applications, but then also accessing the data within them. So as part of application rationalization becomes data rationalization. Now, who are you allowing to see that data? We can do that in a more concise manner, a more um, deliberate manner than we have in the past by simply now knowing who needs what data and where it's going to be viewed. That's a huge piece of this, and this can take us down a whole rabbit hole, so uh, I'll right. hold off going down there. But Applications one piece, but the data is the second. Uh, Kevin or Steve, jump in on this discussion as well. Is is that what you're starting to see some government's clients talk to? Is not necessarily what applications we have or doesn't, but what's the data in those apps, and then how do we not only access that data but secure it? Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, a lot of the cloud migration work requires movement of data, you know, into new places, and security obviously is front and center uh, of that move. But you uh, you also have uh, not only deal with security, but take advantage of the new services that are available in that platform, and that's where you can add more value to that data. You know, leveraging some of the AI services in the cloud, um, applying you know different use cases into your applications. Take advantage of you know those services. And in, in, in many ways, once you kind of understand the applications, what the data resides in them, and then and then how to secure it, that opens up the door a lot broader to to different uses and better decision making. Steve. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, you take the data out, and you know, you're taking data from the mainframe into the cloud, there's security stuff that comes in, but you can start leveraging frameworks that exist in the cloud, you know, Power BI or predictive analytics, things that you're able, that weren't available to you before. And then you're able to make a better decision making based on the data and also breaking up the little stovepipes that you may have up there. I want to follow up also on something that, that Jason Martin from DISA talked about, which was this idea of shared services. And, and we have, let's say, the latest key term is QSMO, right? Quality Service Management Organization that OMB is pushing around some of that back office things. I think they were called lines of business, e-government. We can go back for, for a while. But Ryan, you made an interesting comment about if I never have to develop anything ever again, if I never have to worry about buying you know, software, let me use what uh, exists already. Talk a little bit about that. that perspective and why that's important to you as part of your modernization journey. Um, yeah, that's that's a great point. We, again, I think we live in an era of low code, again, or no code, and, and where many things have already been written. The last thing I want to do is continue to write more custom code. I want to be able to find a way to leverage the experience of other agencies, leverage the applications they've already built to, to bear on, on the needs of transportation. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what that platform is. Uh, I, I know, again, Suzette Kent through the CIO Council is fantastic with CIOs sharing information and data. But as, and, and as much as possible, I want to get out of the custom code, coding business, right? Um, I want to look at GOTS or COTS products and, and quickly you know, live in this agile environment we always talk about and be agile with a need to get an application out the door as soon as possible with as little custom coding as possible. In that agile environment, I mean, in many ways, it goes back to Jason Martin, something you said earlier about kind of we talked about speed and agility and the need to get out. Is is uh, it's 
funny, the low code, no code, I hadn't heard about that, and then all of a sudden it starts to pop up in the in the vendor market, and then now all of a sudden, Ryan, you're, with all due respect, you're talking about it. it's not quite buzzword bingo yet. Don't worry, <laughs> won't call you out on that. But but is that something that this is starting to look at? Is is okay? How do we reduce the amount of coding we need to do so we can get? quicker, more agile services out there? Well, so as you likely know, we, we depend a lot on vendors for, for cost solutions when it comes to enterprise solutions. What I would say from a um, agile methodology, what we're looking at is her inheriting controls. Mm -hmm. So if you bake in that security and you can inherit that from FedRAMP processes or from other applications in your environment, that certainly makes things go quicker. It certainly makes things more um, secure than they would have been in the past, and it's a quick overview simply by applying those principles and knowing how you're going to score out of the gate. So from an agile, and I would say code look or relook or protection perspective, it's really how are we building that into the infrastructure to make us go quicker on the back end. And, and Kevin, you, uh, Ryan, jump in first and then I want to go to Kevin. Yeah, there's two real reasons that's important for us. Again, like the situation we're in today with COBOL programmers and mainframes, we're beholden to them and, and we're running out of time, right? And we don't want to ever be in that position again where we're beholden to a certain contractor or a certain coder or a certain technology where we can't get out of it. And, and then, again, we want to be agile, right? We want to be able to rip and replace quickly and easily with best of breed and new technologies emerge. We don't want to have embedded applications and embedded code that are just so hard to extract out of that we can't get into the newest and, and the best and the brightest as people continue to innovate in our industry. And that becomes even more important, as you mentioned earlier, that the transportation is moving at the speed of light. I enjoyed that. The, the, the mixing of metaphors, if you will, uh, that when you have a new requirement, something for you know un unmanned aerial vehicles or something, okay, how do we put that in quickly versus we have to develop it, we have to go through the, you know, it could be five years later and we have a whole new set of UASs. Uh, Kevin, jump in, because DevOps is something else that you guys are starting to see that if you can get agencies off the mainframe and into the cloud, yeah, then bet. DevOps. Yeah, well, you know, um, I hear Ryan talking about, you know, not want, you know, no code or, or low code. Um, you know, it really, when, when you get past application rationalization and start talking about the direction of your remaining apps, um, you know, you don't want to get into rewrite, you know, a cost and risky sort of thing to do. Or, um, you know, rip, rip and replace can be cost and risky as well because, you know, it's not designed to do exactly what that legacy system was doing before. So, um, you know, replatforming. Uh, the code itself, and then from a DevOps perspective or DevSecOps perspective, um, and, and not just code, but we're also talking about services and service components and managing services in a way where uh, you know you you, you uh, apply security scanning on that uh, earlier in your DevOps process in standardized ways, um, and, and that certainly saves you risk, lowers your risk further down the line as you as you as you uh, get closer to production and roll out of those things. Uh, and I think that's a key point, lower your risk. That, that's what we're talking about here. Steve, did you want to jump in? I was going to say something that was kind of interesting listening to be able to reuse things. So if you're able to go to, imagine being able to subscribe to a service that does grants and you're able to subscribe to the same service. And so if you're able to move some of these applications into the cloud, you can go into a, a service-oriented type architecture. You know, they call it, uh, I'm going to say a buzzword, microservices. <laughs> so, but but you, you can subscribe to that. But, but that's how, you know, if you're able to rationalize and understand what they have and then offer that as a service, that's really nirvana from the standpoint within all the agencies. You have that catalog, that service catalog that you can subscribe to. But these are some of the newer tools that allow you to get some of those things. We're getting there, uh, and I, th I think that the, both the General Services Administration, OMB, and, 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 and kind of these, these new quality service management organizations are trying to kind of move there. Gentlemen, this has been a fascinating conversation. We're just about out of time. So l let me just kind of bring the conversation full circle. We started with IT modernization, what's your current strategy? Now I'm going to say, what's the, what's it look like? If we have this conversation in, in a year from now, five years from now, are agencies going to be modernized? Are your clients going to be asking for something else besides getting off mainframes? Um, we start on with Jason Martin from Dish on the first time. So Ryan, we'll start with you on, on this last round. Okay, thank you. Well, the reality, of course, is we don't know where we'll be a year from <laughs> now, three years from now, five years from now. I'm not going to pretend any of us know, but I think. My takeaway right now is it's the best time to be here in this city to try this, right? We have a president who supports it. We have, I have a secretary who supports it like you do. Um, she's very engaged and, and very on top of wanting to modernize. Uh, we, have, we have guidance from all over town, right? We have DHS and DISA providing great cyber guidance. We have OMB and GSA. All of us want the same thing, which is a fast, modern, secure way of doing business. 
And, and so I think it's the best time to be here to try to execute this. I'm excited about the future. And I can't wait to come back a year and three and five from now and hope report just glowing success. I love your optimism. I, I admit that. <laughs> Steve? Yeah, I, what I would say, the, the time is now. This is, in my opinion, the new Y2K because <laughs> this aging for, workforce that you're dependent on, these cobalt, they're, they're moving their trend. So there's going to be no choice. Either going to go to COTS, either going to do, you have to do something because as these folks start retiring out, you have to pass that baton over or go to another way to go about. So it's happening. You've been carrying that sign for 10 years. So far I have. You, I have you can been put in it the down. corner there. The end is almost near. <laughs> Jason from education. So I'm hopeful this is not the next Y2K. <laughs> <laughs> Having lived through that. Um, the, so again, a lot of what uh, Ryan said, I completely agree with. I will say that we are seven months into our, our, our IT modernization roadmap. Uh, and I have already seen the progress. So a year from now, I would expect us to be a year and seven months into it. Um, the one thing that, that we didn't talk a lot about but is absolutely critical is we've actually revamped our entire IT governance and um, investment management guidance to make sure that we incorporate IT modernization in the entire life cycle of how we acquire and leverage IT at the department. So from cradle to grave, which will allow us to ensure that we don't find ourselves in a situation like we are in today, where we have a bunch of systems that uh, are literally past their prime. All right. Kevin? Yeah, I think we've uh, heard it a lot today. Um, uh, the alignment of uh, people, technology, processes around these, these legacy systems and applications. So, um, you know, I think in a year we should see some good progress probably against uh, getting that alignment in place. So clearly it's something you guys are all working on. Um, and I think, Jason, you bring up a good point about having the ability to continuously monitor, you know, build or, or modernize, excuse me, continuously modernize, making it part of your IT management operations processes. Um, you know, I think that's a transformative step to take. So, um, you know, those types of things are going to make a big difference next year. All right. Unfortunately, that's our last word of the day. We're going to have to say that's all the time we have for today. So let me uh, thank my guests, Kevin Hansen, the Chief Technology Officer from Microfocus Government Solutions, Jason Martin, the Vice Director of the Development and Business Center at the Defense Information Systems Agency, Jason Gray, the CIO of the Education Department, Ryan Cody, the CIO at the Department of Transportation, and Steve Stewart, the Chief Technology Officer for Stadia. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion of mitigating mainframe cybersecurity blind spots through modernization, sponsored by Microfocus Government Solutions on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Microfocus. Thank you for listening to the panel discussion, Mitigating Mainframe Cybersecurity Blind Spots Through Modernization, sponsored by Microfocus Government Solutions on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.